I'm your host, Josh Buck. Call to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. The website is clockersports.com. And the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. We just got off of uh, Monday Night Football, got done with Monday Night Football. And, uh, ooh, let me tell you, it was a rough, rough watch, man. Uh, my Chicago Bears have fallen now to 5 and 4, 5 and 5, excuse me, after starting off the season 5 and 1. Four games skid into their bye week with the Green Bay Packers waiting on the other side. Uh, long story short, it's about to get real ugly, as it already has gotten, but it's got, about to get even uglier for them going forward. We'll get to them in a bit, though. I want to talk about some of the other games that we got a chance to see this week. And I have to start off with uh, Thursday night's game between the Colts and the Titans. And the only reason why I'm starting off with this one, it's not an overly exciting game uh, for me personally, but I have to say I'm surprised by the Colts' offensive output. Now, granted, they were largely aided by a pair of uh, special teams gaffes by the Titans punter and, and uh, punt team. But still, to capitalize on it and have that kind of output, well done on them. Uh, can't can't do anything but tip your cap to that kind of, again, output for an offense that I just didn't see. It had, 34 points is not something that you've seen from them. Phillip Rivers was looking pretty on point throwing the ball. He has had a bounce back. Um, he had that falter last week against Baltimore, but he bounced back pretty well. Uh, this one against the Titans, 34-17. Titans are up. Uh, Funky team to get a bead on. They are now locked up at the top of that division, and you just you just don't know uh, what what they are. They're a good team. They can run. They have a good offensive line, but some days they just have uh, – they can't overcome those kind of mistakes, right? Like I said, it was back-to-back possessions where the punter uh, had one blocked, and then the other one was like a – seriously, it was like 15 yards. It was awful. So that's what happened there. Uh, Ted, what, what's going on in Houston? Look, I know that they're a bad team. I know they don't have a good – good squad around my boy Deshaun Watson down there, but they shouldn't be losing 10-7 to to the Browns. I don't care what kind of a windstorm you're playing in, man. Ugh. 10-7? That's awful. That's awful. And, and the 7 came very late. So, it was 3 nothing for like three and three quarter, three and a half quarters. It was bad. It was a bad game. Bad game. Um, yeah, Texas are, are close to the first pick. I, this is just not the season. And I, again, I get it. They don't have a good team. Uh, I, I understood them firing Bill O'Brien. I understand Romeo Cornell, who's actually being considered for the head coaching position, is in over his head right now. You know, it's a losing situation. I just don't. Ten to seven to the Browns. We'll talk about why why this this loss stings so much, especially for Deshaun Watson, um, in a moment. But yeah, that's just not a good look either way you slice it. Washington football team. I almost did it, but I didn't. Washington football team fell to the Detroit Lions 30-27. This was a better game uh, than anybody really anticipated. It actually came down to a Matt Prater field goal to win it. Uh, the last seconds, it looked like Washington had, had actually <clears throat> driven down the field to tie the game, and we were going to head to overtime. Matt Prater said, no, nah, I got this. Sent that one to packing. Uh, the Buccaneers absolutely took out some frustration on the Carolina Panthers, 46-23 in that game. Teddy Bridgewater ended up leaving that one with a knee injury. That's something to keep an eye on because um, their backup is Phillip Walker. And 
for all of the, I guess, ho-hum nature you could say about Bridgewater's Panthers. You know, you don't really, they're not really great offensively. They're good offensively, especially for the first year in the system together. But I think there's been a lot to be desired, especially for Panthers fans, from what they thought they were going to be getting with what's actually uh, came about, especially when you look at it in terms of win, win loss, uh, wins and losses, right, which everybody does. But you got to factor in the surprise retirement of Luke Keekley. You got uh, Christian McCaffrey being hurt a lot of these games. And again, it's a new system with a rookie head coach, so they're figuring some things out. But the Panthers' future is bright. But the Buccaneers, wow. Um, Brady was dishing the ball to everybody. Um, I think he had a touchdown to Mike Evans. I want to say Gronk caught a touchdown. I'm not sure about that. Antonio Brown had had eight targets, a handful of catches. Chris Godwin was still doing his thing. Ronald Jones, after all the speculation that he was going to lose his job to Leonard Fournette after Fournette's pass, passing game action, which actually came with the Bucks trailing, so it actually made a lot of sense. But um, Jones responded by ripping off a 98-yard run. Uh, in this one. I think he had over 170 yards on the ground. Jones has actually been a really, really solid player for them. And I think the biggest development or the best development out of that has been Arians showing the willingness to go back to him after he messed up. He actually had a fumble to start this game. And instead of pulling him and going with Fournette, who I think might this might be some uh, acknowledgement that he has been injury-prone over his career, to say the least. So they're not going to really rely on him if they don't have to. Um, but seeing that after the, the amount of uh, how hard Bruce Arians was on Ronald Jones, seeing how much he's grown and how much faith they've shown in him the past few weeks when he's had some kind of mistakes, is, that's, that's great. It's what you want to see. Um, and, again, that team, geez, the defense is t- starting to show some cracks. But the offense is coming around at the right time, so they could probably balance each other out. They're going to need it, too. We'll see what happens with Antonio Brown. Um, just found out that right before he signed with the Buccaneers, he had an altercation at his apartment complex where he broke a security camera and threw a bicycle at a security guard or at the guard shack. I'm not sure which yet on the last part. Not a good look for a guy who says that he just wants to be an outstanding member of the community and just wants to fit in. And, um, you know, that that's a, that's a... That's a mighty big leap for you to be doing all that, sir. You better That better be the last one. And for it to come out now, after it's happened before he signed. He's been there for three, four weeks now? It's just now coming out. And he's avoiding criminal charges. So, I mean, I guess that, that's why it's just now coming out. But it's still not a great look for a guy who's got the reputa- reputation that he has. Buccaneers, though, man. They, are, they, they might have the division to themselves, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But... Buccaneers are, are hitting their stride or regaining their stride, whatever you want to call it, at the perfect time. Philadelphia Eagles fell to the New York Giants. The NFC East is an absolute shit show. And I don't think there's any other polite way to put it because it, you got a team with three wins leading it right now. And honestly, I said six was going to win the division uh, a couple of weeks ago. This could be a five-win thing. Like, I'm not even trying to be funny right now. There, There's a good chance that None, nobody's getting the eight. I don't see eight happening at all. You're not getting it from Dallas, right? Is Alex Smith Alex Smith winning you what five more games, six more games for for the football team? They just lost, like I said, to the Lions. Is is Philly might do it? Maybe Philly pulls it up, but they're losing to the Giants. So I mean, what do you? And and this is with Carson Wentz getting some weapons back and Jalen Rager getting healthy. Alshon Jeffrey made his debut, or maybe not his debut, but he definitely was getting some run out there. Um, you got Zach Ertz on the way back. He's not back yet, but he's on the way back. My, uh, Miles Sanders played. Boston Scott was contributing. 
and the Giants. Listen, I don't know what's going on with the Giants. I don't know that they. I kind of feel like this was maybe some payback for last time around, but they definitely shouldn't have won this game. Um, we talked the last episode or episode or two ago about how you could see Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence in one way, shape, or form, one order or the other, going one and two to both New York teams, and they have a new quarterback. Well, if they're winning games, they're going to mess that all up. And truth be told, dude, Daniel Jones ain't it. Now, granted, maybe I'm just one of those people who is now impatient um, considering my own team's quarterback situation, but Jones is a guy who doesn't take care of the football enough. I, I almost would rather have a quarterback be a little too too safe than one who's constantly risking it without you being able to see what he was trying to do, right? Like, so like a Josh Allen, he has boneheaded plays, but a lot of his boneheaded plays, you could see where he was going with that, why he tried to pull it, what he was trying to accomplish. Daniel Jones is much like Mitchell Trubisky where there are some throws you're like, what the hell are you doing? What the hell was that? There, you were you're legitimately confused, legitimately confused, and so um, I think missing out on a chance to get feels now maybe it doesn't matter because it could be Jacksonville, but Jacksonville could take them. So I, you're playing roulette, man, in a situation where I think now, granted, there's like three or four quarterbacks in this draft. Some would argue five. You want one of the top two guys, right? You don't want, especially when you have the situation of the the the, uh, the opportunity to get that shot at the at the second guy that the Giants have. Wasted opportunity. That's all I see when I see wins like that late in the season. Green Bay, 24-20 over the Jacksonville Jaguars, a game that saw Devontae Adams get banged up and almost have to sit out for uh, with a um, banged-up ankle. Jake Luton's just not – I don't know how the excitement was there. He looks like a six-foot six guy who can throw a little bit, but he's not, you know, he's not wowing you. James Robinson got another 100-yard game. He's a stud. But the Packers just keep rolling along now. Uh, they take on the Colts in week 11 before facing my Bears in week 12. And all I can say is hopefully the Colts rough them up enough to where the Bears can can get a cheap one because they need it right now. But the Packers, man, and they did this without having their uh, starting two corners. Kevin King and Jay Alexander both missed this game. Packers do have an issue with run defense, though. So we'll see what the Colts do. That backfield uh, with, with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jordan Wilkins, and Naheem Hines, a star of Week 10 against those Titans. Uh, we'll see what he can do and those guys can do against the Packers next week because they they were letting Jacksonville just gash him. James Robinson was just gaining yards. That's all he was doing. I'm not sure. He may have had one or two carries that lost yardage, but he was going forward most of the, most of the day. And for a, a little bit there, put a scare into the Packers. I, it, that, it was close. It got really close. Close to the, too, too, too close for comfort, I would say that. And so you just have to wonder exactly what exactly, um, how, how can the Packers fix that? How can they fix that against a better team? They won't face one really for the rest of the season, but in the playoffs, it's going to be a problem. When they face a team like New Orleans when they get Drew Brees back, and we'll talk about that again in depth in a second. Um, if they face a Carolina, or not Carolina, I'm sorry, uh, a Seattle, who can put the points up to, uh, Arizona, who can do it in the air and on the ground. Uh, Los Angeles, who's going to do it on the ground if they have a say-so with the DBs who can lock up your, your passing game. Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams, that's a good matchup. It's a, it's a good matchup. I don't feel, I don't, I'm not worried about it if I'm the Rams, right? I'm not scared of it. Devontae's a stud. 
second receiver, second best receiver in the league right now, in my opinion. Only second to to, uh, to my boy DeAndre Hopkins, who we'll talk about next. But in the playoffs, when a team can run, that's going to be a problem. Especially when the Packers' offense is so such a funnel between Adams and Aaron Jones in the backfield. Now, granted, you got Jamal Williams who contributes. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling had a huge week. But in terms of consistency, you're only worried about two guys. Three, if you count Rodgers, which you should be counting Rodgers because of all the different things that he can do to throw you off. You need to fix that. Buffalo Bills fell 30-32 to to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. This was a game that I think vaulted Kyler Murray back to the MVP conversation. Um, this It would have been over on a Josh Allen touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs, except for with 30-some-odd seconds left, Kyler Murray decides to find Nuke Hopkins down in the end zone in between three Buffalo Bills defenders for the game-winning touchdown. It was a thing of absolute beauty to see. And as I said, it has to vault him back into the discussion. Now, granted, I will say Patrick Mahomes, as I as I did on the last episode, or again, episode or two ago, he is currently the front runner for MVP. But as Russ has fallen back to the pack, as Josh Allen has fallen back to the pack, we've seen him struggle a few a little bit uh, in recent weeks. You've seen Murray kind of find his way again. Now, granted, it hasn't been pretty, and he still he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't even, I don't think, pulled into a clear second. But he's back in the conversation. And again, listen, before you jump on me, I already said, since I was the one who initiated this train, who started in the first place, pulled out of the station, I reserve the right to jump back on should it uh, start back up again. We'll see what happens next week. I forget who they play next week, but we'll see what happens with the Cardinals going forward. But Murray definitely, with this throw, um, became put himself right back into the MVP conversation. And in the meantime... They also shot a one hell of a ad for uh, Jordan Brand because cameras everywhere got Nuke's glove, which was Jordan Brand, in between the Bills players, which was all Adidas. I think there's one Nike glove there as well. Um, so, you know, that's 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 free pub, that free pub right there, and that's going to be a commercial. I don't care what you're saying. It seems that the Cardinals will play the Patriots. That's to be another W right there that could possibly help Murray. Um, continue to ascend and again regain some footing in that MVP race now you keep on going you got the Los Angeles Chargers fell to the Miami Dolphins Miami is now six and three this season the Miami Dolphins are six and three three and oh with rookie Tua Tonga Valoa and I just learned how to say that properly because I was I was I was one of the people criticizing everybody it's Tonga Valoa it's it's Tonga Valoa there's an in sound in there I'm not Samoan I apologize I got it right now Point being, the six and three, three and zero with Tua, and I know Ryan Fitzpatrick is just a little bit salty because part of him had to hope that there would be a chance that Tua would be in over his head so that Fitzpatrick would get another chance. Now this, that's the selfish side. I don't think he's that that way overwhelmingly, but I think that has to be there, right? You're a competitor that has to exist. Well, while he hasn't lit it up, uh, Tua has at least gotten them, like I said, three straight wins, and um, that defense though. That defense is playing lights out, even as they're going with a rookie undrafted or, or late-round draft pick in Salvin Ahmed uh, at tailback there with Miles Gaskin out. They just cut Jordan Howard. This team is finding ways to do it. Brian Flores, and they have Houston's pick. That's the other part about Houston. Like, you might as well go out there and be good, fam, because you don't even have your first-round draft pick. Oh, it's so, it's so sickening. It's so sickening. Anyway, Miami holds... 
the Texas pick. So they can get good right now and still enjoy a high-round pick, which they should use an offensive lineman or maybe a, a weapon. Maybe Jamar Chase comes down to South Beach. Who knows? Chargers, though, they should not be hanging their head despite the fact that they are struggling to find wins with Justin Herbert. They have suffered a tremendous amount of losses on the defensive side of the ball, including trades such as the one uh, of Desmond King. But you just got to – you got to – they have to – it's so Chargers that they keep finding ways to lose these games, keep losing games that you would think that they should win. Now, this one maybe not so much as in past weeks, but there's a lot of problems there for that team. Justin Herbert's going to be good, much better than I thought he would be. I want to see Anthony Lynn get a chance to correct this, but they got to fix some stuff with – well, they got to get healthy more than anything. Bosa um, missed some time. Like I said, Duran James is out. Secondary has been kind of pieced together. Um, backfield's definitely been piecemeal because you're missing Austin Eckler. Justin Jackson just got put on IR. You're running Kalen Ballage out there, who's actually doing some decent work, by the way. But that's not a recipe for success at all. So, Chargers have hope, but they got they got some things to clean up. So they're a couple years away. That's that sounds about right. The Denver Broncos took on the Raiders. The Raiders came away with a 37 to 12 victory in that one. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Rumble, young man, Rumble. Found the end zone in this one after it had been somewhat of a drop for him. It's been kind of a down year for him. Uh, but the story here, more than anything, is Drew Locke has banged up again. He has some busted up ribs. Uh, it is questionable whether or not he'll be able to make a start next week for the Broncos. This has been a rough season for them, too. They lost Bradley Chubb, started the season slow because of ACL from last year. They lost Von Miller. Um... Locke has missed time earlier this season with an elbow injury, and it's just been rough going for Vic Fangio and the guys. But they're a tough group. I hope he gets another shot to get it right, too, because I think they have something brewing there, especially with that receiving core. Cortland Sutton's a guy who uh, tore his ACL a couple of weeks back, and uh, this is, what, five weeks now back? I don't know. Maybe he only played two games. Cortland Sutton's been gone for a long time. They have a really talented team, but half of the talent is gone. So hopefully Fangio gets a chance to work that out. The Raiders, though, Again, Dark Horse team to make the AFC Championship game. They play a very boring style of football, but it's very effective. They're going to pound game. They're going to try to beat you deep every once in a while with a few shots off play action. The defense doesn't isn't really conducive to that, but when you control the ball the way that they do, if, they, if they're successful with their offense, it puts a, takes a little bit of the pressure off of the defense to have to be stout in any way, shape, or form because they're really not capable. But again, they're much better than I think many of us want to give them credit for. So that's good to see. The Los Angeles Rams beat the Seattle Seahawks 23-16. This brings Sean McVay to 5-2, and two, I believe, over Pete Carroll's Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, I told you earlier, he fell back to the pack in the MVP race. He's had some, some really, really strange outings of late where he's throwing the three-pick game a few weeks back. Um, I told you a couple episodes ago, he has these back shoulder, or I'm sorry, back foot throws, where he's just putting up prayers a la Nick Foles, and it just doesn't look great. It looks it looks really awkward. Uh, 22 of 37, 248, but no touchdowns, two interceptions in this one, as he just struggled to get any kind of consistency because that Rams defense is pretty pretty good. Now, you also had the Rams who found Josh Reynolds for some strange reason for 94 yards, and gave all three of the running backs touches. The Rams are a really well-balanced team right now. This is what I was talking about with the Packers. The same thing for uh, the Seahawks. While all the touchdowns came on the ground, Jared Goff still had 300 yards in the air. 
If you're giving up 300 yards to Jared Goff, you're probably not going to be doing well against some of the other uh, teams in the league, such as uh, a Arizona or a New Orleans when they're all healthy. That's a word for Seattle. As much as we talk about Russ cooking, the lack of a reliable running game and, and, and any semblance of a defense is really hindering him because he has to be perfect. So while I say he fell back to the pack, I realize that he's playing with probably the thinnest margin out of any of the um, of the MVP candidates. The Rams, like I said, man, they're quietly doing something good. We'll see what comes of it. But there's three teams right now, 6-3 and three in the NFC West. That is right now looking like the toughest division uh, in football. It was going to be the AFC West earlier in the season, but right now it's the NFC West bar none as all three of those teams not including the San Francisco 49ers, who were trying to keep pace, but again suffered that loss uh, over the weekend. So keep an eye out on that division. The Seahawks, I think, are going to have a short-lived time in the postseason because they are just too filled with too many holes defensively and with the run game being as suspect as it is. The Rams are a complete team. We'll see what happens when a team can get them down and force golf to pass. Uh, but who knows when that will happen because, again, everybody else is pretty banged up right now. The Steelers... Maintain their undefeated season, 36-10 over the Cincinnati Bengals as they were harassing Joe Burrow all day. Uh, Big Ben played despite having two busted up knees the past week and and coming in close contact with the COVID. Uh, somebody who tested positive for COVID came back and played in this game still. Steelers are seriously threatening to uh, go undefeated this year. I know people don't want to hear that, and they're going to say, nah, you can't talk about it. It's, it's crazy to even suggest it because we're st- there's still so much time left. Um, you, you can't – listen, there's only seven games. There's le- there's two fewer games left than they've already played. The Ravens, I think, were the only one. There might have been another team that I think I said could give them some, some guff um, for the rest of the year, but they have a really strong chance at going undefeated this year. I know nobody wants to hear that. I get it. I get it. But Ben threw four touchdowns. He threw four touchdowns in a game where he could have easily just handed off 20-something. They're trying to prove a point here. And they're, they're, Tomlin talks about them in a, in, a, as a, in a sense of being perfectly imperfect, right, where they're, they can do everything. It might not always be pretty. They can beat you with defense. It might be ugly weather. They can beat you on the ground. It might be a shootout. They can beat you passing. That's the team that wins Super Bowls. That's the type of team that wins championships because there's literally nothing you can do that can take them out of the game. Now, you could say they they haven't been great passing the ball. That's true. They haven't been great running the ball. That's true. There's been some some games where the defense has let up some big plays on, on defense. Yeah, that's true, too. But they could overcome all of each one of those things because of the other two things. So you have to have two out of three in your in your favor, right? You can't it can't just be a weakness for them. It has to be a strength of yours, or at least so much so that you can take advantage of it. I don't see a lot of teams that can do that with Pittsburgh right now. It's just not there. So I like the Raiders to make the AFC Championship game. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers to reach the Super Bowl as a dark horse. I'm still going with the Chiefs, but I mean, you know, because you kind of you kind of have to. But if it's Steelers-Chiefs for the AFC Championship, sign me up today. That's what I want to see. Steelers-Chiefs-AFC Championship. That that works for me. 
Then you can get what? You you can do Bills and who am I missing here? West, South, East. Steelers, Chiefs. Ah, then you could do uh, you could do Bills and either the Titans or the the Colts. I'd rather see the Titans though. Be great. I would love to see that. It'd be great. Oh, that's the matchups that I want to see in the AFC. I think I have to write that for Clocker Sports. That might be something that I have to put out there. That's a good one. Steelers, Chiefs, Bills, and Titans. Yeah, I would like that. The Bills, Titans is an old school AFL type matchup, man. That's some good stuff. Uh, Lions, Panthers will be next week. You'll have uh, Cardinals, Seahawks, um, Jack Steelers. Uh, we're not done with this week. I'm just giving you a preview. Like I was talking about the Steelers there. They take on the Jags next week, so I don't see how they're going to. They're not losing next week. I guarantee you that. that it's going to be a while, man. It's going to be a while. Uh, the 49ers, like I said earlier, fell to the New Orleans Saints, 27-13. The Saints lost Drew Brees. We're not going to talk about anything else. We know the Niners are busted up. Not a surprise that they lost. The Saints, Drew Brees took a, a, a hit that looked rather innocuous from a chunched street from the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Got flagged, street did. Didn't really seem like it was worthy of a flag, but whatever. But Brees kind of got up slowly. Walked gingerly to the sideline, played the rest of the half, and then at the second half started, you saw him talking to Sean Payton and kind of pointing to his side. Come to find out he's got five cracked ribs, punctured lung, and he's in a bad way, set to miss, miss two to three weeks optimistically. Uh, that means we'll see my boy Squints Winston come in there and uh, perhaps parlay this into eating a W and a, a, a Teddy Bridgewater-esque contract next season. You recall Bridgewater stepped in for five games for Breeze last season and got himself a $63 million contract with the Carolina Panthers this year. Winston could easily do the same thing. We'll see how long Breeze is out. Like I said, that two to three weeks is optimistic. I'm hoping that he can recover for their sake so that they can you know, make some noise in the postseason. They had a really good team going on, or a really good season going on. But this is this is that's the, the bigger story. Regardless of what Winston will do, we'll talk about him more on Thursday. For Breeze, this could be how his career ends, right? Probably won't. He's a tough guy. I would imagine he's back sooner rather than later. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. That's a hell of a way for it to go for it to go down if that's what happens. You hope not. Like I said, you hope that he finds a way to make it back and through all this. But that's that's rough, man. That's rough. The New England Patriots beat the Baltimore Ravens in a surprise, 23-17, as it was old-school running quarterback versus new-school running quarterback, Cam Newton, uh, Sean Lamar Jackson, what's what, and uh, what ended up being a torrential downpour. It's pretty cool to see. Like I said, it looked like some old-school 2000 uh, AFC Championship type stuff, Jamal Lewis days, where you had uh, Patriots just kind of moving the ball on the ground. Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, and Jacoby... Myers were the guys who were just doing it, and Cam Newton. The Ravens offense, they tried to diversify. Willie Snead got involved. He made the uh, Week 11 waiver wire for Clocker Sports, so be sure to check that out. But it wasn't enough. And you see that this, this people blame Lamar for not being a good enough passer, but his, his offense is so limiting. There's not a lot for him to do. We can talk about they only run him, and i am always been a proponent of I want to see a quarterback fail in those offenses before I say they can't run them. Let me see him fail at it. And you get the code, well, you just not got to put him in positions to, to succeed. Well, this ain't it. So, don't limit him. 
open it up. I know. I think that though will will reveal that they actually need some more weapons on that team for him. That's another issue that I have whenever they get running quarterbacks. You see it with New England and Cam putting the quarterback back there that is a weapon with his legs doesn't eliminate the fact that you have crap around him. If that's what's going on, then you got to fix that because otherwise your team's still going to falter when it comes when it matters most. They can only elevate so much, especially as they get older in Cam's case. Or if they're they're still limited, I'm not going to lie. Jackson has his limitations as a passer, but he's a much better passer than we've seen. He just doesn't get to display it because they don't their offense and what's around him. That's just pure and simple. Why do you think they were trying to bring in Des Bryant? Come on now. And then the Bears. Ugh, embarrassing the entire city of Chicago on Monday Night Football. They were 4-0 against the Minnesota Vikings and a few other big streaks and records that they had going in. 19, it was like 69-7 and, and, and seven this season for teams allowing 19 points or fewer. All types of positive numbers in this game when you allow 19 points or fewer and the Bears threw up the duddiest of duds. They got they had 13 points. Their offense scored six. Cairo Santos is still the Bears kicker. That touchdown came from Cordero Patterson, former Viking, on a kick return. This team is god awful, and I wrote as much for last run of pro football. And we're running out of pejoratives for these Bears. There's there's not much left that you can say to make anything to make it better. You kind of just hope for it to end. They slink off into their bye. Like I said, they come out to the Packers waiting to get smacked by Green Bay. They got Green Bay twice in the second half of the season, by the way. You got to face Minnesota again in Minnesota. I don't know what is left for this team. You've seen them. And Lawrence Holmes tweeted this out. Lawrence Holmes was 670 to the score here in Chicago. Uh, tweeted out that you've seen them trade for a quarterback. You've seen them sign a quarterback in free agency. You've seen them draft a quarterback. 0 for 3. Pace has now hired two head coaches, 0 for 2. You've now had two play callers this season. Granted, it was a one-game sample for Bill Lazor, but we know what he is. I'm going to just step out of the limb here, 0 for 2 there, too. Your free agency has been, at least this year, we'll keep it to this year, bad. Foles was not a good trade. You guaranteed him 20-some-odd million. Hopefully he recovers quickly. He was not the answer at quarterback. Robert Quinn, 30-some-odd million. Man has one sack. You keep hearing the right. He's close. He's one of the closest in the league. He's close. Nobody gets closer to a sack than Robert Quinn. He's close. He's getting close. He's really close. Finish it. He was he the, the, the highest pass rush win, win, win rate the past couple of years. He was a stud for Dallas. I thought, at first I was thinking maybe it was some, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence was taking all the attention away so Quinn could act, could actually do stuff. Well, DeMarcus Lawrence still ain't doing nothing, so that ain't it. And Mack is actually doing something, so hey, it's not, whatever the hell's going on right now, you could have kept Leonard Floyd for this. He'd be younger, cheaper, and you would still have some upside to him. Granted, Quinn's played the run better than we expected, but he's not giving you crap for pass rush. You got less, or you got more, excuse me, out of Floyd. What are, you, what, what are we doing? This is Pernell McPhee all over again. How fitting would it be for Pace's tenure to have began with Pernell McPhee and end with Robert Quinn? 
Oh. That would probably be the, the best thing ever. Just fitting. Full circle. Time is a flat circle. It's, it's ugly. It's ugly up there at House Hall. They don't seem to be to have any clue as to how to fix it. That's what's mostly, what's most, uh, what's most disheartening about all of this. What are you going to do to fix it? There's nothing you can do because you've had chances and you still can't fix it. Why would I believe that you could fix this? Why would I want you to be the one to fix this? None of this makes it, it it's, it's, like I said, they slink off into their bye week. They'll, they'll, uh, get to come back out and say that they're, they've, they've worked on some things. Nobody's quitting on this team. They're going to keep trying. They're going to hope and pray that Trubisky's healthy because they don't want to start Tyler Bray. I worry about that, though. I worry Mitch comes in and they play well enough to win a couple games that they actually should lose and miss out on a premium draft pick. I mean, they haven't done great with him anyway. If they don't clean house, I don't think it'll matter much. But you don't want to hurt the next regime's chances either. Then the ultimate question, and I'll leave it at this one. Does firing Ryan Pace even solve the problem? Somebody hired Ryan Pace over Chris Ballard. That's where we're at. George McCaskey has to make a decision. I don't know if we're trusting him to make a decision. I don't know who you could get to relieve him with the decision-making power. But that's where we're at. Not great, folks. It's not great. Tough time being a Bears fan. Switching gears over to the NBA, we are, we are officially a Drasmus Eve, right? We, we are, we are hours from the draft. We are no longer days, not even today. We are hours now from the draft, and we still don't know who's going number one. I absolutely love this. I love it, and it's, I love this on the macro and the micro. I love it for my Bulls because there's a lot of chatter of what the Bulls are going to do at four. Are they trading up? Are they trading it for a pick? Are they trading back? Are they keeping it? What's happening? No one knows. It's exactly what's happening at the top of the draft overall, and I love that. Granted, we don't have the surefire generational talent in this one, but you're going to get a solid player if you're in the top half, I believe, maybe in the first round. It'll be a lot closer than than most drafts because there isn't that top, clear-cut, number one supreme alpha player. But I love pundits running around with their heads cut off like chickens. Running around like chickens with their heads cut off. That sounded really gruesome and much much more brutal than I meant for it to be. We could see any one of James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, or the Mellow Ball go first overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Since Chris Paul's now in Phoenix, and we'll talk about that, there's no longer going to be a Devin Booker to Minnesota deal. At least not this year. Anthony Edwards makes sense. Off ball, he can play, you know, he's a two guard. He can play with D'Angelo. Wiseman's interesting. They need an interior presence because Cat's more of a perimeter player. But if you do have Cat, he can do everything. So do you need Wiseman? Do you take Wiseman? At two, what's going on with, with Golden State? Are they staying? Are they taking Wiseman, Edwards, or Ball? Is Ball going first? I doubt Ball goes first now. I don't see him playing with, with D'Angelo. Does he go to Golden State? That's an interesting fit. I wouldn't mind that one. 
Charlotte, I, I doubt he goes to Charlotte. Charlotte's rumored to be in love with uh, James Wiseman, which I don't like because I want Wiseman to fall to four. But I feel like one of Wiseman or Ball will be available at four for the Bulls. Now, there's rumors that they want Killian Hayes over LaMelo Ball. There's rumors they want Denny Evdia over LaMelo Ball. As long as they got James Wiseman over Ball, if they're both on the board, I'm fine. I, I'm fine. I, I like LaMelo, but I hear enough people say that they don't like LaMelo that I respect to not be upset when team, when people say that they would pass on him. That's fine. I get it. I totally get it. And I'm definitely not going to question people with, like I said, strong convictions who have opinions that I would trust on the matter. But it is interesting that there's so much in flux, and we are literally hours from the draft. Hours. And we don't know. We have no clue who number one's going to be. Anybody who tells you that they know is lying. They're lying. It's great. That's, that's, that's what you want. I think that's what you want. Now, the draft's not the only thing that's happening. You still have, um, you actually have trade season getting kicked off in, in short order right now. The Milwaukee Bucks have made a couple of deals, uh, acquiring Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bojanovic from the Sacramento Kings. Drew Holiday coming from the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, in exchange, they sent away uh, Eric Bledsoe, Ileon Ilasova, Dante DiVincenzo, and, um, oh, I always forget the young man's name. Wilson. I can't remember his first name. And Wilson. DJ Wilson. I want to say DJ Wilson. Uh, DJ Wilson. Wilson and DiVincenzo went to the Kings. Bledsoe and Ilasova and a slew of picks went to uh, New Orleans. <clears throat> New Orleans has got a, a treasure chest of picks that's rivaled only by Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City traded Chris Paul, like I said earlier, to the Phoenix Suns. They got a treasure chest of draft picks as well as a couple of pick swaps as well as Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, SGA, and a and like umpteen first-round draft picks. Okay. OKC is cooking something. I am intrigued by this. New Orleans is cooking something. I am intrigued by this. I like the aggressiveness of Milwaukee trying to keep Giannis. I like the acquisition of Bogdan much better than I do of Drew. And I like Drew, the player, better than I like Bogdan. I just like the fit with Giannis and what they need there in Milwaukee better with Bojanovic than I do with Holiday. I like that they were able to get rid of Bledsoe's contract because it's a horrible contract. I just don't think it's enough for them to make a, a championship push like they think, especially if this other deal comes to fruition and that would be James Harden finding his way to the Brooklyn Nets. In case you haven't been following this, um, there was reported angst between he and Russell Westbrook. Westbrook mostly wanting there to be somewhat of a culture shift with the Rockets, wanting there to be some more accountability. Clearly, that would be, I would think, directed at Harden because he he's the one who sets the tone there. Um, Harden reportedly wants out for the Nets now, turned down a $50 million contract extension, told them get him to Brooklyn. There's a couple other teams. Philadelphia is also in the mix there as well, but I, I'm reading that Brooklyn is the top of or bottom of the totem pole, but leader of the clubhouse uh, for his desired destination. Now, they don't have to trade him there. They don't have to trade him at all. But they certainly don't have to trade him there. But if they do, whoo, buddy, listen, 
If you've been following for the past year plus, you know I am a big fan of what they've got going on in Brooklyn, and this would just further cement that uh, in my mind as proof positive they've done the right thing there in their rebuild, reconstruction, however you want to call it, and further proof that the Bulls should try to emulate what they've done. Now, Bulls have set out on their own path. We'll see how it ultimately works out, but I am a big fan of how the Nets have kind of let the bad stuff play out, bring in somebody to reset the culture, build that up, and then attack the go for the brass ring. I love this approach, and if they get hardened, listen, it's a souped-up version of what they had running there in OKC with uh, Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. While you lose some explosiveness going from Westbrook to Irving, you definitely gain some shooting ability and some craftiness and some IQ. Especially with those other two guys on the team. Interesting. Love to see it. Now, Hart's not the only one. Russ is also reportedly very much a high commodity with rumors of him going to New York. Not sure how that's going to work out, what that would look like because there's not much around him there. It's just star power. Also, rumors of him going to South Beach. I would like to see him, him and Jimmy, just outwork you and out, out out energy you for the entire game. If nothing else, make that what happen. We're not going to get CP3 to South Beach right now. I'm off the top of my dome during this recording. I can't think of anybody else I'd want to see in South Beach more than Russ. Make it happen, Pat. Get Jimmy another killer, another uh, late game killer. A stone. I want to call him assassin, but he doesn't shoot well enough to be an assassin. <laughs> but he, he does have that killer mentality, and they could definitely use that late in games. Victor Oladipo reportedly had told was going around telling other teams, players, you know, can I come play with y'all? Basically saying he wanted to be traded there. He has come out and pushed back against that, saying that it's not true. Who knows? We know there's a rift there. We talked about it before. The restart even happened and how he had chosen to opt out and make money and how I disagree that he coming back, you know, because what happened, he showed that he wasn't healthy. Looked like he might have re-aggravated it and now he's risking not having enough suitors to spring him out of there appropriately before next season. We'll see what happens with that, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on and not uh, by any way, shape, or form something that I think the Pacers want with their new head coach and all that going on. But I, I, I Vic going to Brooklyn is still a good one. I still wouldn't mind seeing that. That would be another person to put. That, I think... Is more doable. You have to give up less than obviously than you would for Harden, but it also I think fits more because you get a two-way player as opposed to just more scoring that you're going to get with Harden. People are talking about the Nets thing not working. Listen, it can. It doesn't just inherently have to fail, but it's going to take a lot from Kyrie and, and Harden for that to work. Durant's not the issue. Durant's the ultimate efficient. When you need the bucket, give him the ball. It happens. It's all going to be ISO ball, but. I worry about Durant the least. It's Harden and, and and Irving that confuses me. But if you're playing it like James at the point guard, Irving off ball, maybe it works. Maybe that works. We'll see. We'll have to take a, a moment to find out. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Joshie Buck. Hit the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, ClockerSports.com. Email the address, ClockerSports at gmail.com. And be sure to read the stuff, um, ClockerSports.com, where I'm going to, uh, where the, Waiver Wire, Week 11 Waiver Wire article is already out. I'm going to retweet that, too, in the morning. Um, also be on the lookout for the last one pro football running out of pejoratives for the Chicago Bears. Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears article coming out. Last one pro football. And something with the, the uh, Pippin and Easy. I was going to do a pre-draft, but it's been so watered down. So many guesses. Like, I just told you, nobody knows. I didn't want to be another nobody knows. 
So I will have an analysis of the draft, post-draft, day after, no later. So be on the lookout for that as well. Um, until the very next time, man, you already know what it is. Man.